like, maybe my kids are better without me. You know, like, maybe it would just be better for me to start a new life and have new kids. And raise those kids the way that I should have raised my other kids. Am I going to hurt? Yeah. But at least I can start over. And at least I don't have to drag myself through this shit, you know? Uh, welcome back, guys. This is the Silencing of Stigma podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode as we challenge your thoughts and opinions about various stigmas with our recurring guests, Jackie and Steven. What's going on, guys? How are you? It's been Hi. a while. Yeah. Um, I'm forget a... his name. No, I... He He's doesn't know if it's Steven it. or Steve. He doesn't. Because I think I called you Stevie last time. You didn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> Stevie, yeah. no. No Stevie. So, yeah. Philly works. Steven. So I'm going to let mom take over and explain why we're here today and introduce our new member to the podcast that's here to share with us her story. Okay, so welcome everybody. Hi. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hi. So we got Jackie, <laughs> Steven back, and we have Michaela. Caitlin. Caitlin, Caitlin wow. I just said Michaela. Caitlin. You might so. want to cut that out and let yeah, her read that's, it. Yeah, <laughs> so then we have okay. Caitlin Ready? Here. Cut. Go. <laughs> welcome back, Jackie, Steven, and we have... <laughs> <laughs> We have Caitlin with us also. We have Caitlin with us also. Jackie reached out to me a couple weeks ago and thought that um, Caitlin's story would be good for other people to hear. So let's get started. Introduce Kate. Caitlin. Caitlin. I don't know why I'm having a problem with that. That's right. Just answered anything I call you. Honestly. So. Caitlin, how do you guys know each other first of all? I mean, we're both in recovery, but we work together. Um, used to work together. Yeah, used to. Now we're just inseparable. We're pretty much our, each other's only friends. Only, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Speaking we of, are speaking only. of friends, no, we're going to save that for later. We'll <laughs> we're going to revisit the friends episode a little bit later. We want to hear about Caitlin's story. We want to get into Caitlin um, and, and what's behind Caitlin. So she's friends with Jackie and Steven. That's awesome. All three of you are in recovery at different stages in recovery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're all like, what, two or three months? You guys have apart two from years. each other, right? You guys have over two yeah. years. Yeah. I just had two years in May. My awesome. two so. years was July 11th. Cool. Mine is not here yet, but November 23rd. And it'll get here sooner than you think. Yeah. So that's it's awesome. Fly by. Like that's great. So did you know when you met each other at work that both of you were in recovery, or you found that out later? You can tell. <laughs> yeah, I, you just kind of have, like, that yeah. sixth sense. Like, you can... We've talked about this a thousand yeah. times. Like, when you're sitting outside smoking cigarettes, and you're like, oh. How do you tell? How that. can you tell? I don't I don't know. That's interesting to me that you say you can tell. It's... You just... You just can. can. It's not even explainable. You just know. You and it's us. not, like, a judgment thing, either. It's like, hey, I have something in common with that person. Yeah. <laughs> you might not be good, but... Like that. I guess I want to say maybe looks, like as much as that is shitty to say, like appearance. What about the appearance? Stigma. What about the appearance? Yeah. I don't even think it's. I don't know that it's a stigma though, because it, whether you're high or not high, I can almost guarantee what drugs you're doing or what drugs you used to do. Okay. That's pretty what'd accurate. Because a lot of people who have like ADHD tend to do like the stimulants and they're up. So when they're sober, they're really through the wall, like all the way up the roof. Yeah. 
and you can just, I don't, somehow it comes out like, hey, question. I know I'm not really supposed to ask this, but, uh, and normally, are you sober? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I find that odd because we talk about stigma and on all of our podcasts, we said you'd be surprised how many people that do drugs that you would never guess that they do drugs. Well, and I think a lot of York is new people. So a lot of them are in the recovery houses or sober houses or they're fresh out of rehab. So it's a lot easier to tell when you're fresh and when you work somewhere that's 98% drug addicts, ex-drug addicts and current drug addicts, you don't really have anything else to look at. I was, I think I might've said this in our last podcast. I was approached at the McDonald's on George street. Yeah. 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 You told us that story. And this, this girl came in and she beelined it right to me and I wasn't even high at the time I was probably trying to get high but yeah. at the time I wasn't and she literally sat right in front of me and said can you get dope yeah I remember that see story. this blows I, my mind yeah but I, I don't I don't uh, the the people that are like running around and getting high like I don't go looking for them I mean I've been at the transfer center and I've had this guy come up to me and he's like something told me I needed to talk to you. And I know that you're really going through a rough time right now, but I want you to know that everything is telling me it's going to be okay. And he reached in his backpack and he grabbed this huge fluorite crystal out. And he said, this will help guide you. And gave it to me and walked away. I haven't seen him since. He said, I'm in recovery. I have four months sober. Just got out of rehab. Love my life. And I know that you're struggling. It's so weird. That's so cool. Yeah, it's cool that he helped you, but it's it's weird to me because when I would, I wouldn't look at you and say, oh, yeah, they definitely have, like, I just met you today. I would never be like, oh. So if I was walking around the mall with my ankle monitor on, would you think that I robbed somebody or that I was a drug addict? No, with the ankle monitor, I was like, okay, well, she was probably got called DUI and can't drive and had an alcohol because Kyle had one of yeah. those ankle bracelets, and that's the only reason I know, but literally... When I see somebody downtown, when I walk at lunchtime stuff, and I see an ankle brace, I literally say a prayer for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, like, look and say, oh, my God, what the heck did they do? Or, mm-hmm. like, I literally pray. But I to walk down the street with you, I would not notice. Like, I don't know, I guess, because I don't look at that. People look at your tattoos, but everybody has tattoos now. I mean, it used to be, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a sure sign. But everybody has tattoos now. Yeah. But it's crazy that you just pick that up and have that yeah, connection with each other explain it it's yeah. not really it's not i said appearances but i don't think that it's not even uh, you just have this it's a law of attraction yeah. yeah like it's it's literally like a sixth sense you just know okay and and you can kind of connect i don't i go by like the air and the feelings and mm-hmm. were you ever energies wrong? and were you ever wrong though thought somebody was doing certain things and you went up to them and introduced yourself and completely different opposite person. No. Because nope. sometimes it's not drug related. Sometimes it's like I can tell that you're really having a hard time and then like all of this stuff will come out. Because we used to do that all the time at work. But it again, it's the area. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's a second chance company. Um, they advertise that. So... Okay. That's awesome. why they treat Second us like and shit. third, fourth, fifth, yeah. tenth. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Like, that's scary. That's scary when you're in recovery and you go to work and it's right in your face. Mm-hmm. Like, I did it for a recovery house and rehab right there. 
I am the reason that people in DUI court are able to work there. I went in to my PO and I said, I need a new job. I'm only making $10.50 on third shift and I can't afford to pay all this stuff that you guys want me to pay. And she said, well, where are you getting a job at? And I said, well, Screen Crown's ready to start me on Tuesday. She said, absolutely not. And I went into court on Wednesday and I met with the judge and I said, listen, you can't tell me where I can and cannot work. I said, I am an ex-heroin addict, I'm an ex-meth addict, and I understand that there's going to be drugs no matter where I go. And as long as my only goal is to go in there and make money to pay my bills, I'm not going to have any issues. And he said, I'll give it a trial period. And within six months, there were so many of us from DUI court that were able to work there. Crazy. That's crazy. So you just said you used meth and heroin. At what age yeah. did you start? Um, I started drinking when I was in middle school. Okay. Um, and then, I don't know, I was like 18 or 19, and I started smoking crack. And then... I started having kids and I kind of stopped. And then once I turned 21, I went hard and drank for months. And I was going to work the next morning, smashed. And I needed a pick-me-up. And my boyfriend at the time was like, here, have some Coke. And I was like, all right, cool. And three days later, I'm sick. And I found out it was heroin. And that was it. Oh, so he told you it was crack and it was heroin. Yeah. How? I didn't know. I'd never seen heroin before. It was powder and I was snorting it. Well, Coke. Coke is powder. Coke is crack. You just change the ingredients a little bit. I would never know. Y'all yeah, clueless. No. Thank God. Yeah, it's some hard. baking soda and some water. You don't have to explain the yeah, process. No, you know? that. <laughs> they don't want to know. I, I, I'm glad you're here, Stephen. That's it, you know? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the difference. I mean, my friend has this marijuana, her marijuana card, and I thought marijuana was just like a little green leafy thing in a baggie. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. pens and vapes. And I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. this one's for this and this one's for that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, I'm really stupid when it comes to that kind of stuff. So it's not a bad thing. All right. So you had how many children do you have? I have three kids. Three kids. Yeah. And what are their ages? Uh, my daughter's 12. She'll be 13 in November. And I have twin boys. They're 10. They will be 11 this November oh. or October. Austin's I'm a, I'm a twin. twin. Are you? Seven minutes mm-hmm. older. <laughs> you always got to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine are three minutes apart. Okay. Wow. Three so minutes. They, you still have an older and a younger, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one comes out before the other one. Exactly. So. Did you have a C-section? I did. Okay. Yeah. My water broke six weeks early, and they were both breech. Okay. So I had no option. And they were in the NICU. Um, Riley was in the NICU for, I want to say, three weeks, and Julian was only in for one week. Okay. So Riley came out and he was having trouble breathing, so they put him on CPAP, and then they were both jaundiced, so they got the really cool Velcro shades and okay. got to hang out for a little bit. Okay, so let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer it and tell me it's none of my business, but were you on drugs when you got pregnant or while I you was were pregnant not. with him? You were not? No. Okay. No, I would smoke pot every once in a while, Okay. Um, and I mean, I, I drank. But I didn't drink while I was pregnant. I didn't smoke pot. I actually quit smoking cigarettes. I couldn't eat regular food. Like, I was super picky. And they were like, if you're not eating, you're not going to gain enough weight. And the babies are going to be really small. Okay. 
So no. you did drugs before pregnancy, then you stopped through the children. Yeah, it was like okay. a, a social thing. Okay. So it wasn't... I do remember one time um, my kid's dad and I had got stuff, and he had left for work and took the key to the lockbox, and I wanted to smoke a bowl. And I texted him, and I said, I want to smoke a bowl. Where's the key? And he said, it's on my key ring because there's rock in there. And he came home and he was like, let's smoke this. And I like threw a fit because I just wanted to smoke a blunt or smoke a bowl or whatever. And he had picked that bowl up with the crack in it. And I was yelling and throwing a fit. And he smoked it all in front of me. And I remember crying. And he said, that's it. We're never doing this again. He said, if you're going to act like that, that's it. And it, it like didn't click until many years later. That like maybe that was my first sign. Okay. <laughs> maybe I should have just stayed away. But after a while, you know, he had gone to jail, left me with three kids under the age of one by myself. I was working. So like I just wanted to numb everything. So I would go to work, I'd get off work, I'd go to the bar, I'd get hammered, magically drive home. And that was my life for, you know, six, seven months. And then somehow it went from alcohol to heroin. So you didn't... Okay. So it started with marijuana. I'm always trying to figure mm -hmm. out, is marijuana gateway drug? I don't think it is. The other ones, and people say yes, and Jackie's shaking her head. Yeah, now, so. I don't believe that okay. at all. I think alcohol was more of a gateway for me than anything else because I would go to the bars and I would see all these people in the bathroom snorting shit off the the bathroom counter and I'd be like well that sounds like fun how do they go all night oh, well okay <laughs> that's why they were in the bathroom for so long okay so we're here today to talk about the journey that you're on with your children yeah so share with us what you're going through so I just went to court, um, what, two weeks ago? Um, I had to file for custody um, on my own. I couldn't find a lawyer that would help. I couldn't find anybody that would help. So I went online and I found out how to modify the order on my own, filled out all of the paperwork, went and filed, did all of this stuff, and I filed the petition to modify custody. And within that time frame of me filing the petition to me contacting the constable to go serve him, they had decided that they were going to move to South Carolina. So the constable had called and um, said, when are you guys coming back? Set up a meeting with him so he could be served. And he went and got served. And there was some major stuff that happened then. The constable had called him. Um, with a gun, the kids were outside running around. So CYS and the state police were called. So this went from just modifying custody to like an emergency situation. Okay. And it had already kind of been emergent to begin with, but there wasn't much that I could do. So between me being an addict and running in and out of rehab and jail and recovery houses and sober houses and doing all of this stuff and trying to keep a relationship with my kids and trying to do better and doing all of this stuff, there was nothing, my hands were tied. And this 
the state wanted me to do all of these documents and complete all these courses and all of this stuff that I had already done. And just with that constable showing up, everything switched. So it's all still a work in progress. You know, it's all still going very slowly, but it's going in the right direction. It's going in the right direction. So do you have visitation currently? So right now I have partial physical custody. So I get every other weekend. Okay. Um, I'm not required to have a supervisor. They can come to my house. You know, I'm pretty much granted whatever. Do, but do they go to counseling because they're older? They need to. Okay. Um, I'm in the process of trying to agree with him on where they need to go to therapy. Because when I had gone to rehab, it was like the beginning of 2019, I think. Um, I had signed a piece of paper that gave the grandparents like educational doctor, you know, the basic mm -hmm. limitations that they could sign and get information and do stuff while I was gone. And their dad had figured out that I was gone so he went and filed for custody and claimed that I was actively using heroin and didn't know where I was. So nobody told me that he had filed for custody until a week before I was supposed to leave rehab. So I went into my counselor's office and she's like, sit down. And my mom was on speakerphone and I like lost it. I was screaming, this isn't fucking fair. How is this fair? But there was nothing I could do. So um, and he was a user as well. He used pills when he was a kid. Okay. You know, alcohol. Okay. He was a raging alcoholic. He used to get drunk and would get mad at me because I wouldn't clean the house, which is ironic now. Um, he would get mad at me. Because their house is filthy. Disgusting. Um, he would get mad at me because I wouldn't clean the house. So he'd be home all drunk and he'd go out on the front porch and call the police and try to get me removed from the house. And the cops would show up and they'd be like, dude, the bills are in her name. You gotta go. So he would like leave and go sleep under the truck until the police left and then he'd sneak in the back door. I mean, this happened more times than I can count. But he would just get mad because his friends would come over and I'd be like, oh, he's at the bar. And so we'd all sit out front and like smoke cigarettes and shoot the shit. And he'd come home from the bar and be like, what are you doing? Like hanging out, but the house isn't clean. So like now he's trying to get me, he says that I'm trespassing on his property. Um, children and youth told me that I could go pick the kids up. So I'd gone to pick the kids up and he was claiming that I had trespassed on his property. I went up to the front door and banged and yelled hello and nobody was there. He told us to get off the property. We left, whatever. Wasn't a big deal. So that night he sent me a video. He's got his entire house rigged with rigged. video. That's his babysitter. So when he wants to go in and go to sleep, the kids are watched, you know, it's nice. Um, the house is disgusting. It's like a hoarder's house. Wow. So he's done this like whole 360 and it's like, I went through all of that for what, you know, like my kids were taken care of when they were with me. And, and over time I've realized that yes, I was doing heroin at a, at a point when I had my kids, but, um, you know, they were daycare was paid for rent was paid for. I had food. They got dinner every night. 
my kids were in therapy. My one son is autistic. So he had his therapy. He did all of his stuff. Um, but now that I look back on it, I can't argue that point because I, I wasn't there. You know, I'd make dinner, but then I'd sit down on the couch to watch TV and I'd nod out. And I didn't know that I was nodding out. Mm-hmm. You know, it came out later. I'd go upstairs to go to the bathroom and I'd wake up an hour later and I wouldn't know it. So you feel as though it was justified that you lost your children at that point. Um, I don't think the way that it happened was correct. The system does it. I was getting help, and I wasn't given an option. You know, like, he took the kids from me. So the agreement was that the kids could finish out the school year where they were. And within 24 hours, he decided, never mind, I'm coming to get them on Friday. But he didn't step forward and say, hey, I just want to let you guys know that you have to come live with me now. You can't stay at Nini's house because you're living with me. So he made he made everybody else do it. So they hold all of that in. Yeah. And so between me being an addict, them being mad at their dad, being ripped out of the situation that they were in, dealing, you know, before this court hearing, he would take my visits as a punishment. So if they did something that he didn't like, he would take the visits. There's so many times that I haven't seen my kids for two months because he'd take visits. And how's that acceptable? It's not. And that's when we went into court this last time, the judge said, absolutely not. You can't do that. And his reasoning was, they're my kids. I can do whatever I want. So the system's missing something. Yeah. So, I mean, I have written down everything that he's done. And I can go in there with my lawyer and I can present all of this stuff. And we have another court hearing coming up. So that's when all of this stuff will be brought up but nobody really knows you know when we went into court he changed his tone oh I've been trying to get a hold of her and work things out as far as this and this I don't know that's closed but like you're not like that okay so it's fake it's very narcissistic you know on he's mad because I'm only emailing I won't let him have my phone number I just don't trust him you're not gonna call me a thousand times you if it's important and it's about the kids you can email me so isn't there a system that neither of you have to communicate like isn't there a person in between that you should be able to call and they should be like the mediator she wants us to be able to get along I agree we are both their parents we should be able to email back and forth hey I just want to let you know September 11th, we're doing the 5K walk. I want the boys to come. And he should be like, let me check my schedule. But you don't get a response back. So there isn't a mediator. I have my lawyer, so that's who does it for me. She advised me to not contact because he is not willing. He's not at that point. He's still resentful. Well, that's what I mean. I just don't understand how somebody's feelings can dictate what's right. I don't, he, so when he, he went to jail, um, the boys were born in October of 2010, January of 2011, he got arrested. He tried to rob somebody. He got $8 and he did two years upstate. Um, while he was upstate, I, either me or his parents would take the kids up so that he had a relationship with them. When he got out, it's on you. 
you have to create a relationship with your kids at that point. It's not my job. I'm not going to text you every Saturday and ask you if you want to come hang out with your kids. I'm not your mom. You can do it on your own. So he's claiming that I kept the kids from him. So he is saying now that, um, you know, I kept the kids from him. So now I have to suffer like he suffered. What about the house? Talk, do you got to tell them about the house and what they're doing? So, so about this listen she is going through i just said this to her the other night and steven like the amount of shit that this girl is going through and does like like i'll own it i don't have a job right now i'm pretty lucky with my financial like the things that i owe and rent and things like that i don't have i obviously have bills but like not my mom is helping me out um and the way i feel sometimes like i can't even imagine like the shit that she has to do like with DUI court and everything that they're what it's two years later and they just had requested her to do four meetings a week she doesn't drive won't get her license back till 2028 <laughs> which okay. is insane for three DUIs it's not insane for three DUIs but that's just insane altogether um and like no one all these people that are here to they claim to help you like that work in CYS and yeah we've called like between me my probation and MHIDD we've called CYS when did we start calling it was like last March wasn't it they just the, the people with all this like they're entitled because of their position so like probation officers like um Mine has ghosted me a couple times where I'll, yeah. and I don't drive. So I have to either have him before him. I've had, uh, you know, found my other ways, um, but just won't show up, won't tell me, won't do And it's okay. Like, that's fine for them to do that. Like, I said to her because there's did that to her. And I'm like, like, they don't understand that because of the situation. Yeah, we did this all to ourselves, but um, especially without a license. So if you walk 45 minutes to get to the bus, take $20 to get an Uber from and there. And you can't take your phone into the courthouse. Yeah. And do all this and have all this shit set up just for someone that has this power to be able to do whatever the hell they want. End up like it's, they're fucking with our lives. You know what I mean? Like this is our life that, and we're trying like, and the people that aren't trying to do the next right thing are getting farther, like, or, or not I don't farther, remember how we put it. It was I know, something I was like, raging. it's not, yeah, we were freaking out. Um, it's not fair that I, I've passed every drug test for the last two years. I get that I was an addict at one point and I shouldn't have done drugs, but I did. I did them and I couldn't stop doing them. Do I wish that I could have stopped doing them? Yes. Am I upset that it took me six years to figure it out? Yes. But here I am now, I'm utilizing all of the resources that I have, you know, and I go into probation and I'm like, I need help getting a lawyer. And they're like, I need you to phase up to phase two. Once you phase up to phase two, I'll help you. I'll help you do all the paperwork and stuff for your kids. I'll help you get a lawyer. I'll help you. I'll see if I can get funding for this, or I'll see if I can do funding for this, or hey, call this number. So then I'll do all of that stuff. I'll call MidPen. I'll call the Bar Association. I'll do all of these things. And they're like, we can't help you. You had this paperwork filed in 2019 and it's 2021 and you're just now calling? What? But that's, I, I need help. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's not the point. The point, well, well why did you wait so long? Because I was getting high, bro. So <laughs> what do you want me to do? Like, do you want me to file for custody for my kids while I can't even sit in front of the judge? Because that's not fair to anybody. She's like, well, we can't help you. <laughs> what? Like and then you don't hear around. anything back about the funding or, you know, contacts or, or whatever. And I can do my best to keep up with it. But while I'm trying to hold a 40-hour-a-week job because of treatment court, I have to meet with my probation. I have to go to court. I have to do counseling. I see a psychiatrist. I am hit with the fact that my kid's father may or may not be also using drugs and I have to get a hold of children and youth. Children and youth won't call me back. So then I have to worry about getting out of my sober house because the people who owned my sober house were getting high. So I'm living in a sober house where people are shooting up and taking my money and not paying my rent. Like they're not paying the mortgage. So what am I paying this money for? So it was like one thing, but it hasn't stopped this whole two years. Like, and then I sit there and I call probation and I'm like, I get it. (sighs) I get why people get high because I would kill myself if I didn't have all of these people. Not that you guys are really helping, but like you listen when I do get a hold of you six weeks later. So I can appreciate that part of it. But like, there's zero resources around. I've been trying to do housing for over a year. I've gotten nowhere. There's a lot of resources. It's just they don't know how to support what needs to be supported. Like, we're coming from nothing and with a lot of shit. We're coming with nothing but with a lot of shit, if that makes sense. Like, we have a lot that we need help with and a lot from the past that is going to hold us for however long, you know? Like, and that's what these resources are supposed to be for, but... And the excuse right now is COVID. I was going to say, I hear COVID all the time. Well, because of COVID. Well, unfortunately, the whole world was shut down for, what, six months? So you should have used any funding. You should have been banking that funding. So there has to be funding. (laughs) Are these people uneducated? Like the people doing these positions or holding these positions don't really know how to help you? Probably. Oh, for sure. So they're in positions that they don't understand. I am teaching my... Now, I love my counselor. I'm not, like, jabbing at my counselor Mm -hmm. right now. But I've had to do... I had a counselor who wouldn't call on my appointed times during COVID. She just... Oh, sorry. Forgot we had an appointment today. And I had to get a new therapist. So this new therapist that I have, I love her to death. And everything has been going great but she has no idea about the drug and alcohol world so Mm -hmm. when i have issues related to that she's like i'm not trying to be ignorant but can you explain and i like at least she's willing to be honest yeah Yeah. like but that's i and i know that not everybody is like that but if if you don't know the answer ask me and i will i will do my best to explain it i appreciate that more than you just well, smoke up your, telling me yeah. that, you know, I have this probation officer that's probably never smoked a blunt in her life. And, like, you're going to tell me that the answers that I put in this drug and alcohol book are wrong? Bitch, please. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny. We just talked about this earlier too, um, with like with counselors that have never been addicts or. Oh, we talked about it with my. We were just talking about that. Visit, like, you know, like yeah, the ones that are, aren't addicts that like just like study the book to try to teach, like help people, whatever. They they're more like judgmental. Yeah. Too. They're even if they claim that they're not and they want to preach that they're not. Like, that should be a topic. Well, we did. We did actually have a counselor on who, okay. who we did actually. And Dylan, I believe, asked that question. Um, how do you know? What was this? That was, was it? That was Allie. Oh, like the fourth or fifth one in. Yeah, like that was she way wasn't back. An so, addict or anything? No. So maybe we need to get back with Allie because she was well. She works in a rehab type situation, but. I get what you're saying because counselors that don't have the experience, mm-hmm. whether it's drug addiction, we went to a counselor after Kyle passed away and the man was trying to help us with grieving the loss of a son. Yeah, no. He didn't even have a child. So how are you going to tell me that Christmas is going to be difficult and I have to move on because that's what he wants and you don't even know what it likes, what it's like it's to have a child. It's from a book. It's, it's just... what they learn. And so it's, it's uneducated mm-hmm. people trying to educate you and help you because that's what they get paid to do. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because they don't have the experience. But like for us, we can go to OVR. So we should okay, all qualify so for OVR. It's occupational, vocational something. They Program. They oh, help yes. people with special people. needs. Um, okay. So you have to qualify like... Me coming out of jail and me being an addict, I can qualify for all of this stuff. So I, you go through probation and you fill out the paperwork, whatever. But I had started doing that to try to get into the recovery field because I don't feel like enough people that are in the recovery field are recovering addicts. And didn't you, wasn't that the same time that you tried to get the job at White Deer Run? Yeah. So we're both doing something that should have helped. I still haven't heard back from OVR, and you can't work at White Deer Run without a back with a background, or with DUIs. Yeah, is what it is. So neither DUIs. one of us could get a job at White Deer Run, but we'd be perfect to be a tech. You have two years sober. Yeah. So the tech position <laughs> doesn't require you to drive, or does it require you to take somebody Some to places, an appointment? But they normally have like drivers or transportation I people. I don't even know. But like, okay, I don't think White Deer you know, Run. You're asking for people with a background. These people are applying. How are you hiring them? Yep. There's the the one place. I don't remember what it's called. I'm gonna try for Colonial House. Okay. So there's What's so the many. one in Wrightsville? The, the ranch. The, the ranch. The ranch. You need a driver's license. Okay. Yeah. The ranch is pretty far out there. So if they were to. <laughs> If you were need to ride, drive somebody into the city for mm-hmm. a meeting or whatever, some yeah. kind of, you would need to. I heard that's really super nice. But even place. like, you know, probation's like, I know you're going through a really rough time right now. No, you don't. Can you go to a meeting? Okay, so four you want, times a week. You want me to go to an AA meeting, where I don't relate with any of these people because they're literally just trying to catch bodies yeah like they're just they're just going in there not that kind of not body. that kind of body. <laughs> it's another they're, term for they're bodies. just going in there and trying to have term. sex with all the newcomers it's a fashion show, it's a fashion show. body count do you believe yes. that most, i'm an advocate of it most of them i, I it really just doesn't work for me if yeah. if it works for somebody else yeah go for it 
Like I used to go because I used to want that connection, mm-hmm. but I just didn't find it. Okay. It so is then good I for support and people like just to kind of socialize. I did it for two years when I was in drug court. And I did, I hate all the slogans, but fake it till you make it. Like I did that, exactly that, but I didn't make it. I just faked it. And I had sponsees. They I both jobs. Follow through. I know, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I had sponsees. I had two sponsees. They both died, but I did have them. And I was a sponsor. I did the steps a couple of times. And um, I was on drug courts. So I had that hidden reservation, like in my head, like when I was going to be off, I would. So maybe Use again. Maybe like I was going to get high. If they force you to do it versus you walk in there because you want to do it. No, because I used to go to NA. Okay. Like, I've gone to NA in different places, and okay. I've come down to NA here in York, and there's just not enough of a women, group, like, outreach. There's okay. there's very little women. And the good NA meetings where there's a bunch of women, they're down in Stewartstown. And how do I get there? There's no bus. I can't drive. I don't know anybody up here. Okay. So what am I supposed to do? Can I say something? Absolutely. What you just just said, I think, I kind of agree with what you just said about being forced to do it and wanting to do it on your own. I, I personally think, like I don't, I don't do any of it at all. I never did. Okay. But like, when I I lived in like recovery houses and stuff, and you were forced to go to a meeting every night and get a paper signed mm-hmm. and get a sponsor you know like in a way I think it's like a little overwhelming for somebody to be forced to do stuff like that so I mean I relapsed in the house that I was in okay and not that I'm saying that that's the reason why but it just wasn't working for (laughs) but listen no but it wasn't working for me Mm -hmm. because I was being forced to do something that I didn't want to do like I chose my recovery this time around to do it the way that I want to do it and here I am almost two and a half years later doing it I have heard of people though that have been forced got arrested or done this or probation or whatever been forced into rehab or whatever it may be and they came out and are still sober like I have heard that so I've heard both yeah yeah I have friends both ways I have the way Stephen did it where they don't do anything they do it for themselves and they're completely happy doing it that way they don't believe in the meetings and then i have some friends that successfully go to aa meetings yeah. and, and but I, I don't see how aa is supposed to help me filter out what's going on in my life because my my issues right now aren't and we talked about that when i had to fill out the book is that for once in my life i don't have to put on there that i'm worried about staying sober it's everything else yeah. yeah, you need help with the other stuff. Yeah, and where do I go? Nobody has any answers. All of the paperwork is outdated, so I'm given all of these numbers, and, you know, I can't go into... I mean, I could. I could go into AA and be like, please help, but... It's not there to but what, it's, out it's, Yeah, They're, it's they're there, there to, to help keep you yeah. sober and follow your steps. And exactly. They're not there to help you find out how to I'm, get your children I'm back. I'm not going to write a fourth step and get my kids back. Like, right, this understood. Is not, No, and you're to the point where that's where you're at, Mm -hmm. and it just boggles my mind. I don't know if they're overwhelmed. I mean, I was talking to a probation officer last year when COVID was going on, and how many people, the ratio of people versus one of them Mm -hmm. is extreme. It it is so out of control, Mm -hmm. 
and, and they're not hiring people. Nobody wants to be a probation officer right now and let alone police officers and things like that. So to your point, there is probably funding and there is probably things out there, but nobody knows about them. Mm -hmm. Or the, if they're in silos, if they would all come together and work as a community together instead mm -hmm. of putting themselves in silos that I have to do this step first, then I have to do this step, and every one of those steps is a different person that you have to tell your story to. Mm -hmm. It is frustrating. Yeah. Like, I get it. So you're in the process now. How close to getting your kids are you? I don't know. I don't know. I have court again on the 30th. Um, and not to see if his charges stick. Well, his, his case got uh, continued again until September. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, but in during this time, you are seeing your children. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I was allowed to take them to the beach for the first time in years. And like, that's, that's great. I love that. And I love the fact that my judge understands that I was an addict and she said, I remember this case and I was really worried that you weren't going to come back. And here I am. And like, that's all fine and dandy, but, um, you know, I just went in, I'm in a respite house, um, because of the sober house issue and I just went in for a meeting for that and I'm like hey guys this is really awesome I know that I had to quit my job because it was killing my mental health but also all of the money that I had saved I had to use to get a lawyer and pay my fines and I'm really sorry but I don't have rent money and they're like well if you don't have rent money then we got you gotta go oh by the way it's a liability if you have your kids stay at your house <sighs> so it's constant yeah. What are your kids' thoughts? Because they're older. Like, what do they say? Are they confused or? I don't, I don't, they don't really, I don't really think that they know what's going on. I don't try to push talking about it. Um, if they want to talk about things, I let them talk about it and I let them form, you know, their own opinions on things. And if it's, if they say something that's wrong, if they're like, you know, well, you did this or daddy did this or nini did this then i'll redirect it and fix it the way that it should be said but i mean my daughter i moved into the respite house and my daughter wouldn't talk to me for two weeks because she was afraid that i was moving on and i had just gotten my ankle monitor off and she was afraid that i was going to get high again and then i was going to be back in jail so that was just her way of you know protecting herself because through this whole process in the end obviously the kids are just as important do judges talk to your kids do they ask your kids anything does no. any counselor ask them anything no um, either way like how they're doing or mm -mm. no that's interesting so and I mean, when I went into court two weeks ago I said they need to be in, in counseling they need to be in therapy and the judge said I can't I'm not going to put it on the court order because that can affect insurance sometimes, but I, I am going to require you two to come to an agreement. So I've been trying to find a counselor to that'll work with our custody schedule so he can just drop them off on the Fridays okay. that I'm supposed to get them, and then I'll just pick them up, and then we'll meet whatever. Good luck. <laughs> it's been ridiculous. That's interesting, yeah. A lot of education needs to be done. Jackie's going through the same story. She's at a different phase different in this yeah. um, 
this battle. I was lucky enough to see the video of when she got to see. I'll start to cry now just thinking about it. So sweet. When she got to see Hunter and she had her phone sitting on that table. It was just a couple seconds, but he was ecstatic. Mm-hmm. And I know your story you shared before that you just kept telling him that you were sick. That's what everybody was And on saying. that video when he was so happy that you weren't sick anymore. And it just it just made me smile. Like... The kids are the ones, they're victims also in this whole mm-hmm. thing. Cause they didn't choose to be in the situation that they're in either. And people make mistakes and they shouldn't be penalized the rest of their life for a mistake that they made. And, and I just think that there should be an easier system. I don't have the answer, but I'm glad that you're here sharing this because there's a lot of people in your situation, in Jackie's situation, their fighting yeah. for their kids. The kids are in the mix. They're lost in the mix. Um, and they're forgotten sometimes too. Like it amazes me through all this that your kids never had an opportunity to talk to somebody that was, you know, equal. Well, and I don't want to say that he didn't give them that option, but he's been the only one that has had them. So why wasn't that resource given to him? Right. You know, like, Hey, I know that you have custody of your kids now, and maybe you should check into this. Nobody said anything. Nobody did the follow-through with that. And that's like CYS was called, and she's like, I can't give you the details, but we're giving them resources. What? Are you? Because they're not doing anything. Yeah, it, it is. So there's a difference between having the resources and being able to utilize those resources and neither i don't think either one of those things are happening there's a disconnect somewhere yeah and just being a parent like i would don't ever give up like i know it sounds so frustrating but someday those kids are going to be back and appreciate everything that you are doing i know little hunter <laughs> I know that's what everybody says, but I hate hearing. That, I know, honestly. and I know, like, and I've not experienced it, so you're probably like, "Shut up, you have no idea." And no, I don't have just... any idea. I don't have any idea, and I'm just sad for you because it's stigma, and sometimes people look and think they screwed up. And I'm just going to be blunt and honest because you know that's what I do, but that's what people do. They look at you and say, "You know what? You screwed up. You did the drugs. Too bad for you." And it's the stigma. Mm-hmm. And they think, you messed up. Like Everything that you have to go through to get your kids back, you deserve. I think that And I don't time. believe that because everybody makes mistakes. And if we don't give a second chance, there's not one of us living today that hasn't made a, a mistake. And you learn from it. Mm-hmm. To be clean two years, Stephen, and you two years, and Jackie uh, almost two years. Like That's a stretch. For, for us, learning this podcast and Austin shaking his head... We've talked to people in the struggle. Several, several of our people have relapsed since, mm-hmm. since our podcast. And I get it. I've never used drugs, but you can be addicted to anything. I mean, everybody laughs that I'm addicted to cake, but literally, mm-hmm. it, it's hard. It's every minute of every day that you're fighting. Mm-hmm. And people make mistakes. And I just feel like the stigma's out there. And how do we fix it? Like... To those parents, those girls or guys, even dads that are fighting for their kids, like, what what advice do you give them? Like, don't give up, but... There's nothing... At this point, I'm not even, like, fighting addiction anymore. Like... It's a constant battle with your mental it's health. It's like though. everything yeah. else. Like, it's not even, like, whether yeah. to get high or not. Like, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. Sometimes Steven and I will have, like, these weird... I don't know if it's not an epiphany... 
for like these conversations but then they like slowly pass like it's not why is that funny? is that when you kick me out of the why bar? do you guys just laugh together both of you we're just happy we're happy to be here yeah. listening to your conversation exactly. Carry on. Those those aren't the ones where you guys kick me out of the car, is it? No, it's just like it's not even a thing anymore. I don't know. And that's awesome to hear because remember your last podcast, you pretty much tell I think about it. Yeah, like I think about it. So as time goes on, yeah, it's not like I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's just not a thing. Like yeah, I used to do drugs. I don't at the moment. I don't right now. And I'm cool not doing that. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, I I, I don't have the answers, um, but this podcast will help somebody else. Like, maybe it won't give them an answer, but what it will do is they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in this journey, and I can't get anywhere, and I'm about ready to give up and and just forget it. But sharing, sharing your story, you're not alone. You know, you are two friends who both are struggling, trying to get your kids back. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do as a community? Like, that's what we need to figure out. And I don't know what organization we can get. I don't know if Not One More has any kind of that's growing there information are growing or that they're doing. I just like even for me to try to get a lawyer, I called and called and called and called and called, and it's either. We want three grand, or we want fifteen hundred, or we want all of this. Well, me as an addict, I have to pay fines. I got to pay rent. I got to pay all of this stuff. Where am I getting this money at? So then you get told to call Midpen. Well, Midpen is so overwhelmed; they're not taking certain cases anymore. So that's the only place. Like there has to be someone somewhere, and I. I had gotten to the point where I was just like, I don't know what to do. So I called the public defender's office and I called my, one of my old lawyers and I said, I, I don't know if you can give me legal advice or if you can point me in the direction of somebody, but I, I can't do this on my own. There's no way. So, and I told the, I told my lawyer now and I, I gave her the whole story. I told her what was going on and she's like, listen, I'll help you. But like, there's a lot of times where we'll go and we'll have conversations with people about things and like you just get this well <laughs> like why you're about to cry at no it's gonna be weird i was like <laughs> like if you don't know what to say you just be like all right let me see what i can do like you, you know it's crazy that people anywhere. that like do and i'm not judging on this either but like more severe cases of like child abuse or like i don't even know like like just more severe cases involving kids or like if someone would get cys called on them like i feel like if my son's dad would have called cys on me i would have had them two years ago like a them I don't have more than one kid but I would have had him back years okay. ago because that process is like six months they drug test you they do the supervised visits like and then that's it like I've been struggling with this battle like for so long with this dude and I'm doing all like everything I need to do and then in my some. case yeah and my case is so um unique and it's not like and I didn't do I just 
like got high on my own and went to jail and rehab like that's it I did there was no child abuse there Uh was no anything like that and if something like these people are getting their kids back and they either like what were we just talking about they either like child abuse or sexual abuse like these things and these these people are getting their kids like and there was none of that like I just got high like not just you know it wasn't like I just got high like that's a big deal but it's not like it's not fair yeah Yeah. it's just not fair so this is interesting there's no like right or wrong answer to anything but I feel like there should be some kind of outline like there should be a timeline and there should be limits to these things like it shouldn't be drawn out it should be a checklist for years so you know where you're going and well how long is it going to if your expectation is it's going to take you two years to do this but here's the list and follow this order and you're checking things off you're at least accomplishing things and you feel like you're getting somewhere now you're in limbo yeah and each time you go to court they throw something else on you Mm -hmm. so like you put out fifteen hundred dollars to get this form filled out and have somebody that you don't even know go through and answer all of these questions about you and now I have to go and redo another drug and alcohol thing but I'm two years sober like that doesn't make any sense like that's just a waste so then it comes down to money and then it like all of this affects my mental health and then it gets to the point where when I don't have my kids and I'm laying in bed for two weeks because I'm miserable and I can't remember to shower and brush my teeth and eat so then it's like am I really okay because then I go through these time periods and I'll call her constantly when I think about this and it's like maybe my kids are better without me I just thought that you know like Maybe it would just be better for me to start a new life and have new kids and raise those kids the way that I should have raised my other kids. Am I going to hurt? Yeah. But at least I can start over. And at least I don't have to drag myself through this shit, you know? And that's depressing. I get it. You know, like, I understand that I fucked up and that I did wrong, but I, there's days that I would rather die than feel the way that I feel. You know, like, it just, it doesn't stop. I'm having trouble at work. I'm having trouble with the kids. I can't get a job. I can't keep a job because my bipolar is through the roof and I'm not medicated correctly and I have to constantly go back and do all of this stuff so is that fair for those kids to live with me maybe I shouldn't have any kids maybe I shouldn't have kids to begin with but but you like no I that's where it, it takes you and it's you know like I don't have to do the, I didn't have to do the video calls and I didn't have to do the therapy, but my kids are older. So imagine those kids that are between five and 10, what do they have to go through? And they, nobody asks them any questions. Nobody does anything. They only get asked if, if I would have overdosed in front of them, then they would have been in therapy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's never 
why don't we make this a community thing? You know, there needs to be some kind of thing for the other side too. Because mm-hmm. it's not it's not fair. Yep. We're sitting here with tears in our eyes. <laughs> We're sitting here because you're fighting for your kids. You know, and I know what it's like to lose a kid, so don't give up on your kids. I'm not, but and we'll figure it out. Like, I don't know the first step, but I can promise you through some of the committees that I'm on and some of the outreach that I do, I will try to figure I don't even know where the first step is. If somebody listening to this podcast or you know where can I reach out first, I promise you I will try to figure out and use any resource that I have to figure out what are the steps. Um, I think more judges are the stigma amongst judges and is crazy. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the addiction part of it. I think they should have to require to take a course to understand. <laughs> I, I just My believe that people are so fever. uneducated. And if they can become more educated and sympathetic and understand. <laughs> Jackie's not <laughs> She's dry. My, my favorite um, example of that is when I go into DUI court and and I sit there and I listen to everybody. And I, I've told you thousands of these stories. Where I go in and the judge is like, look me in the eyes and tell me the truth. Like, bro, I've spent my entire life lying and manipulating to get what I want. And you want me to just look at you? I didn't do it. Like, what? That's funny that you say that because... <laughs> Of all the friends that I became with people that were in addiction, whether they're still using, not using, <laughs> I literally have one person who will look at me and say, Kathy, I can't lie. And I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if this guy's lying or not because they're so good. You become so good at lying and hiding your feelings that you don't know when he's telling the truth or not. So, yeah, so you can you can literally look somebody in the eye, not even just people in addiction, and lie. If you're mm-hmm. a good liar, I'm you not. can convince anybody of anything. But could you so. imagine how many people would get out of jail time if they just had to look the judge in their eyes and tell them <laughs> that they didn't do it? Yeah. Would you go rob a bank, Steven? I guess I'm not a good liar. Are these, what's in them tissues? How, how did that happen? Oh, no. What did I miss while I was going? <laughs> Nothing, me just getting emotional. But honestly, I, I told them, like, I will use some of the resources that I have. Like, what is the next step? And I will try to find something, um, somebody that can guide us and maybe even do a podcast that can explain the steps of what or how or even the other side of it Mm -hmm. because like we're hearing your side but we might be hearing another side from somebody who is on the other side Mm -hmm. and doesn't want to give you your kids back but why you know why is that the case what is do you want me to ask my kids yeah (laughs) but seriously like what is the reason why why they feel that way neither one of them would probably be honest i mean quite frankly (laughs) and i don't know your situations i don't know the dad's I've never met the dads or whatever, but is it that they're just jealous because you're doing better now? They would rather see you suffer and... I've said it before. Mine has told me, like, that he just wanted me. Like, he wants me to overdose and just die and be out. He has his own little family now, you know? New baby, wife, like, whatever, but... um, So I think he's resentful. Like, I left him. Not that, like... 
that like I like broke his heart. My mom says like that I left and he grew up with both of his parents like high school sweethearts. So like that's always I remember him saying like that's always what he wants. He doesn't want to have a kid to someone else and then you know like have a bunch of baby moms like he didn't want that. And um he that happened like that that happened and I think he's very upset at that and I think he's upset that he stepped up and I was the mom and I was able to go get high again because he's an addict too you know like uh, he loves heroin just as much and he had he didn't have to but I think he felt that he had to and like not fair that I got to go out and get high and he didn't like I think there's a bunch of reasons I'd love to sit down and talk to him about yeah. it like I don't feel the way he feels toward him that he does with me like at all I'm not like that anymore, but... Yep, that could be interesting. So we'll wrap this up, um, but thank you for coming, and you have my word. I'll do the best that I can to use the resources that I have um, to see what I can find. Thanks for having yep. me. And thanks for sharing, because there's so many people out there just like you that don't know. They want their kids. They want their kids, mm -hmm. but everybody deserves their kids. I mean, even those people that have Ill other illnesses, like it's a special bond that you have with a kid and it's tough. So thank you again. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on sharing. Yeah, anytime. Sounds good. What's her name again? <laughs> Michaela. Michaela. <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening to this right. Silencing Stigma podcast. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All Peace. Right. See you, bye.